Today on Anatomy of a Movie, we talk about love and loss. We're dissecting the film, The Light Between Oceans. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Popcorn Talk Network. Today on Anatomy of a Movie, we're dissecting... M.L. Stedman's movie adaptation, The Light Between Oceans, directed by Derek C. in France. Cyan France, I believe. I, I hope I'm saying that name right. <laughs> I'm your host, Marissa Serafini. You can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. Joining me, I have. I'm Emily Harlan. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at OMG, it's MLE. Ah, that's a very fun Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> um, welcome. This, Thank I believe, you. is your first Popcorn Talk it show. It is. I'm really excited to be here and to be chatting about this movie with you. Yeah, we're going to definitely get in-depth. For those of you who aren't familiar with Anatomy of a Movie's style and format here, this is going to be very spoiler-heavy. Yes. We talk about the movie in-depth, writing, discussion, all that fun stuff. And then also, uh, you can download the our rundown of all the information that we have and what we're talking about in the description below. So definitely check it out yeah. and follow along with us if you want to. Um, all right, so The Light Between Oceans, beautiful film. What yes. were your first overall thoughts of this? Um, you know what, this film, I, I like this film. It definitely had a lot more pieces to the puzzle than I thought initially going in. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought it was beautifully shot. I mean, the landscapes that we see are just gorgeous. And I thought it was brilliantly acted, everybody in it. I thought did such a great job. So I'm a fan of this movie. It was a little, um, heavier and deeper than I thought it was going to be. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely agree. A couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, I saw the trailer for it and then I saw Alicia Vikander and Michael Fassbender were in this. I was like, we Duh. have to do this movie. <laughs> yeah. have, like, I have no concept of what this movie is about, but we have to have to do this movie because yeah. you know it's just going to be amazing. Yeah. Because both of them, they're amazing actresses. Rachel Weisz herself awesome. as well. It's just like you knew this movie had something good. Mm-hmm. To have these people in it. So yeah. It's going to be chock full of talent. Yeah. Um, I w and I love, I do love melodramas. Yeah. As, I and do they too. They don't make them as often or as well anymore, which yeah. is really sad. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was very excited to see The Life Between Oceans, and I went into it, and I came out of it like, wow, that was amazing. Like, applause, applause. And I. It thoroughly exceeded my expectations for this film. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the fact that it wasn't, you know, that there were a lot more pieces and things going on and underlying storylines story that kept happening. I liked that, um, that it wasn't just kind of this light little movie and, you know, we just see one thing happening. Obviously, because it's such a uh, serious subject that we're talking about, you know, mm -hmm. and this child's life that's kind of in play. Um, I liked that it was a little bit like heavier than I thought it was going to be. You know, you don't really end the movie on like a really great high, you know, it's kind of like, wow, that was, you know, their life. Like that was really kind of brutal, like everybody involved, you know? So, um, but I like, I like that about the film. I thought that it gave it a lot more depth, um, which, you know, like you said, we don't see as much anymore. So, yeah. And what I liked about this, because I think it did so well of executing what some people have actually gone through. Yeah. Like, having the whole idea of miscarriage, and it's not really an idea, it's a real thing, but, like, people, we don't really see that in movies. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we see a lot of it in television, but we don't see it very executedly, you know, executed well done. Right. In this film, and 
on top of it, there was two miscarriages we had yeah. to see in this film, which was, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely get into it. But I think just this movie touched upon realistic, sad things that can happen mm-hmm. in people's lives that people really don't want to talk about. Right. But yet we saw it. Yeah, and also just going off of that, not only with the miscarriage thing and that, that you know, that happens to so many people, but also the fact that there's lots of cases where, you know, after adoptions situations where the birth mother will want the child back and what do you do and who has the right and all that kind of thing. So, which we don't really see in movies. So I like that they kind of put that in. You know, there were a lot of a lot of things going on that I thought needed to be discussed. So Yes, and we'll definitely discuss and we'll yes. talk about the the development. Obviously, um for people who don't know that the Life Between Notch is an adaptation of Elmo Stedman's first debut novel. Yeah. And you know, the, if you haven't read the book, it's fantastic read. Uh, mm-hmm. I highly suggest it. And, you know, we always talk about, because we've talked and dissected other movies here that were based on books and how different books yeah. are always compared to the movie. And reading the book, it, it seems like there a lot of the things weren't really changed. Mm-hmm. Just, of course, omitted for time and whatnot. But they, it's, they, it seemed very true to the book. Yeah, I like that. I did not read the book. Uh, I, I wish I had more time to, and I, I plan to, because I, I, you know, I'm one of those things where usually you like the book more than the movie because right. you get to develop the character and all of that. But, um, I, I did read a lot of the reviews of the book and they were outstanding. You know, everybody seemed to really like this book. And one thing that, that kind of one th- thing that kept coming up with all the reviews is that the book was very similar to the movie, which I do like because it's hard when you fall in love with a book, you fall in love with the characters, yeah. and then you go watch the movie and it's completely different than what happened in the book. You know, or that's it's not what you were expecting exactly. in your imagination. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like, like you said, a couple things were omitted for time. Um, like I think in the book, they said that there were three miscarriages rather than two that we yeah. saw in the movie. So just little details like that. But overall plot lines were very much the same, which I like. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and there's always more details in the book, obviously, but um, the, there were more moments with Hannah, the the biological mm. mother, and her husband who, okay. who had, you know, this child. And we, they go a little bit more in-depth and, like, a little bit more backstory to those mm. two so we understand where Hannah's coming from Yeah, more so. I mean, and I think they do it well in the film, Uh we can understand Hannah's turmoil, but we understand her relationship a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, I kind of wish they would have put that in the film. I I definitely, um, you know, felt for Hannah, but I saw some of the people that were just reviewing the film were saying that they almost didn't like Hannah's character because it seemed so one-sided, which I didn't get. I, I mean, I yeah. know, you know, we just see her in grief pretty much the whole movie, but I, I, I sympathized with her. I didn't, I didn't feel like there was anything missing from, from her character in the movie. But I did hear in the book it definitely gives you a little bit more uh, yeah, <laughs> to definitely go more off of. Hannah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about Hannah when we get to the Perfect. actual characters. But for the development, uh, it, the, you know, the director, Derek Cianfrance, he had a meeting with DreamWorks one day. And uh, he heard that Steven Spielberg was actually a big fan of his work, um, of Blue, My Blue Valentine, mm-hmm. uh, his film. And that meeting at the DreamWorks, they just gave him like a, a pile of books and The Light Between the Oceans was the top one. And it just drew his attention. He read it and he like loved it. He fell in love with this book. And then there was one day he was on the sea train in Brooklyn yeah. where he was just like bawling his yeah. eyes out. He's like, I have to do this film. Yeah. So he spent eight months like fighting for the rights to get this film and convincing all the you know, correct people who, who can give the approval for him to direct this film. And yeah. that's how it 
he got onto this project. Yeah, I feel like if you if you're in that position and you find a book that makes you cry on the C train, <laughs> like you got to do it, you well, know, like, crying in public. You know, that's yeah. a real thing. Exactly. Like this is meant for you. <laughs> right. So you know, if this book can make him cry in yeah. public, ugly crying in public, yeah. then like there's something that like drew a very genuine connection mm-hmm. for him to really motivate him to get this film yeah yeah and it seems like like you said that the movies he's done in the past like my blue valentine those are very like kind of pulling at your heartstrings and trying to like figure out what's going on with these characters lives and it seems like this is kind of i mean obviously not the same movie but kind of Mm -hmm. along the same uh, same plot where two two characters are trying to figure out what to do and trying to get their lives together and so it seems like that's his kind of focus (laughs) focus <laughs> yeah and his his films um you know the place between the pines and mm-hmm. my blue valentine those two films are like what people really know him for yeah. and those films have like really a serious tone right this film definitely had that serious tone mm-hmm. but uh, there were some lighter moments based off of you know the, yeah. the book and the content that he was given um but i think he did a great job of you know fighting for it and actually executing what was in the book because mm-hmm. the book's not really all that happy either yeah just reading it um there are moments of the character's happiness with the child with lucy Mm -hmm. but every it's when you're reading the book it's more like a day in the life thing but like everything that we're reading the pretty pretty serious everyday situations that we're going through yeah it's very realistic right right um that's what I also enjoyed and so when it came time to writing and adapting it from the book to the screenplay and whatnot uh Derek Sanfrans he knew the book so well that Mm -hmm. he's like it was more so what to show and what not to show yeah at at the end of the day so right what to kind of take out that you could fit into two hours (laughs) yeah and I mean this was a fairly lengthy film as well two Mm -hmm. hours and 12 minutes so and it's it's a good (laughs) length of a book um but I think he did well because reading it, there you can pretty much follow everything from scene to scene to scene in chronological order of what wow. um, you know, the movie show. Yeah. But the the interesting thing about the book as well, it actually kind of starts in medias res, like in the middle of the action. And not to, oh. for those who haven't <laughs> read the book, I'm not really spoiling everything because if you're listening to us, yeah. imagine you're, <laughs> you know what the story is. But the first chapter of the book is them actually finding the baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. And throughout, and we know watching the film, it's not until later in right. the movie they find it, but... In the book, they start with the baby, and then it's like everyone, and then they kind of go back to the beginning. And then every once in a while through the book, every few chapters, and it'll go back to the regular present time of when they found the baby moving forward. So it was kind of slightly out of order in in that way, that it was very nonlinear, which I also enjoy too, but I liked how the film was very linear. I do too. And just thinking about that, um, you know, I feel like the way they set it up in the film, you it allows the audience to feel for the couple you know feel for Isabel and Tom and and the fact that we see her going through these miscarriages and see how much she wants a baby and then when the baby kind of comes up washes ashore it kind of allows you to go okay well I see where she's coming from (laughs) you know rather than maybe if it just started that way I don't know if I would have been as sympathetic towards her I don't know if you felt that way when you were reading the book and any different I agree and I liked how the movie took its time Mm -hmm. for the audience to emotionally get to that point of 
after witnessing two miscarriages and now we just feel for both of these characters and the mm-hmm. struggle and um you know the just the emotional ride that they're yeah. on right now you feel for them more when they find this baby yeah and you're actually kind of at that point rooting for them to keep the child yeah. although they shouldn't <laughs> i know but i mean we'll get a little bit into yeah. morality as well but we took that time to get to that emotional point where mm-hmm. we were like we actually are happy they found a baby and yeah. we're rooting for them. Right. Whereas the book, you just start right off. And I don't know if you would have the time to develop that connection between these characters to mm-hmm. feel for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that. Um, let's, you know, let's talk about the, the life on Janus Island, where the island that has the, the lighthouse and whatnot. But what did you think of how they filmed it? And the emotional ride that the audience saw with these characters in that lifestyle. I liked the way they filmed it. Um, One thing that's very um, noticeable throughout the entire film is all of the kind of vast ocean shots. You know, you see just kind of like just ocean. There's no land, you know, surrounding Mm -hmm. the lighthouse. And there's a lot of shots where they kind of started from the lighthouse and then panned out where you can see just how desolate it was. And I think that was important for the film, um, you know, just to kind of understand how alone these characters are. Um, I like the way they shot that. I thought that it was obviously just gorgeous landscape. Every, you know, every. I don't think there was one shot in this film that was not beautiful. Like even when it was storming, it right. was like it, the ocean's <laughs> still pretty. You know, so I liked that. I I thought it was very interesting. Um, just kind of uh, from the character standpoint of life on the island, how he could not have a female there unless they were married, and mm-hmm. you know, just certain things like that. And you know, just even after they had the baby, and one of the things was. Um, Isabel said, you know, well, they'll never give us a kid. We live alone on this island, you know? So it kind of just... Away from hospitals, away from a church. Exactly. Um, that's what the book covers because mm-hmm. during that conversation, she also brings up the big point. Like, it's away from people who could Im- come to their immediate service if they need it yeah. for, the, you know, the health of a child. Yeah. It's like they're never going to allow us to have a child. Right. Well, and even just thinking, like, you know, the miscarriages she had, um, you know, in the book, I think one of the things they say is that the um, lighthouse is like a half a day's journey away from mainland. So it's when you're thinking about having a child, it's like you don't always have a half a day to to have. So they went in knowing that they were going to have this child on their own, you know, when they got pregnant. So that was kind of shocking to me that it was just so so far away from anything and they were just going about their life and doing it having kids on their own is what what the plan was you know but yeah i think it was interesting to see when we see the introduction of this film Mm -hmm. we we start on tom's character and the fact that he was so willing to volunteer himself for such isolation right knowing from his background he just came out of world war one he's seen turmoil and death and Mm -hmm. probably a lot of suffering and whatnot and all he wants to do is be alone and then when we follow him on the day-to-day basis it's like he is truly alone he's only alone with his thoughts and whatever Mm -hmm. happens um because of his military background and whatnot he's so regimented and always sticks to the rules and and guidelines and Mm -hmm. he always has to record everything right um and we see that in the, with his character in the movie, but also in the book, that like every single day he has to record anything, mm-hmm. no matter what happens. Um, so you know when we see this child coming into the life, he's so used to recording and following the rules, and it breaks his heart that he has to go against the rules. Yeah, exactly. To not record this situation that happened, 
Um, I've, I so I saw the turmoil with Tom throughout, you know, his isolation and his battle with himself because mm-hmm. really you're alone on the island and it's just himself. So I, I like that. And then when we have uh, her, uh, Isabel come to the island, it just changes the whole dynamic mm-hmm. of the island when it brought more love and more brightness yeah to his life exactly yeah well definitely yeah it kind of seemed like as soon as isabel came like his character came to life i feel like you know like Mm -hmm. before that he was so you know would barely say two words to anybody and just just wanted isolation and then as soon as isabel came it was like you know there was all of a sudden like you said like joy and like light on this on this island there she was shaving his mustache off which you know good call i thought i <laughs> right. thought that, and, that was good yeah and that was also uh, michael fassbender's idea to grow the mustache right yeah, yeah i saw it that was awesome um but yeah so i liked i liked that she kind of symbolized his own i guess lighthouse you know like as soon as mm. she came on Speaking the island hope. yes exactly yeah as, as soon as she came on the island it sort of like changed his life and she became his light um, so I see, you know, when you're talking about the fact that he felt he had to record everything and that he didn't when that baby washed ashore, I can see why he didn't because she was, you know, she was that life for him and he wanted to do everything he could to protect that. But I did like in the movie how she said to him, you know, I know how important it is for you to keep these records, you know, so mm-hmm. that we really got that sense of him being, like you said, so regimented and so by the book, um, obviously. He didn't <laughs> on he didn't. that one thing. And that that just shows his character. Uh, Derek C. in France, um, he said in multiple interviews that when he was casting from uh, the character of Tom, that he wanted someone who could have the brain of right and wrong mm-hmm. and have the heart of duty and love. I'm like, yep, that's Michael Fassbender. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And just looking at the stuff he's done in the past, I mean, it's it's kind of like all of his films are, are you know, it could be emotionally riveting. Yeah, exactly. So I, I thought he was he was a perfect fit for for the film, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get into the the miscarriages of okay. Isabel. In the book, there are technically three. Mm-hmm. Um, they they really just go more in depth with the two. Um, which, but they also visually show it on screen for yeah. this film. Uh, but what did you think of their execution of both of these miscarriages? The first one being, well, well they were pretty much completely different mm-hmm. um, yeah. in, the, in the sense of, like, the tone and just mm-hmm. what they were. But how do you think they handled Yeah, I, I, well, I think, you know, when they show the first miscarriage, it's the first storm that they're experiencing on, on the island. So I thought that definitely had something to play into it. You know, everything was kind of, bright and sunny up until then and then they show the storm and she has this miscarriage and then the second one she's playing the piano that's been fixed and she's a lot further along in her pregnancy and then mm-hmm. suffers the miscarriage so I like that they showed kind of both sides of it you know when we were talking about how it's something that isn't necessarily shown on film a lot but affects a lot of people a lot of people do go through that so I like that they showed kind of the two sides of it and and you can't help but completely feel for her character you know especially the second time around when it's like oh my god this is happening again again and she was further along in the pregnancy and you could see her just almost trying to will it not to happen Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought it was beautifully shot I thought Alicia did did a fantastic job you know um it you know in a couple of the past movies she's done you know she struggled like with the Danish girl struggled getting pregnant and so you know like she she has kind of that sense maybe going in going into the film but um yeah I I as hard as it was to watch I thought it was very well done yeah I liked the how vastly different they Mm -hmm. were on screen just watching it I thought it was interesting 
and it just shows like just how much they were suffering from this. So the first one, um, that was a crazy storm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see her struggling, just like the physicality of it was just brutal to watch, let alone knowing what she was suffering. But she was also in icy rain, pretty yeah. much, and just trying to get his attention. I was like, I think they should set up a better lighting system yeah, I <laughs> from agree. the house to the lighthouse. Just like, you, you know how streets have street lamps <laughs> yeah. to guide your way? They kind of need the same system. I know. Um, but you can tell with, you know, just one person on the island Technically, mm-hmm. usually only one person on, on the island. They wouldn't set up a system right. for that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it was just, it was brutally hard to watch her mm-hmm. struggle, um, just going up the stairs. And then when the, there was that quick shot to the next morning, I was like, yeah. what? She, he never found her? Where is she? I was like, is she dead? And, you know, like all these thoughts went through my yeah. mind. And we saw that she was there like overnight and still was intent to. I was like, yeah, they definitely lost the first child. Yeah. There's no way that baby could have survived. And then the second one was just uh, brutal to watch in a different way because we saw we saw blood. We we saw you know the connotation of red is just danger and it, yeah. And but the fact that we he um, Tom was actually there to help her, but still didn't know what to do. Right. So we saw like pretty much two people struggling during the second miscarriage, which. I think added just another, um, like, doubled the pain. Yeah. So. And I think also, um, just going off of your point, that to, that he, Tom was finally involved seeing the struggle. That might have allowed his character to accept Lucy a little bit more because he was there and he, he physically, you know, experienced his wife's pain, you know, seeing what she was going through. Where the first one... She was on her own the whole time, you know, from start to finish, Mm -hmm. you know, and he didn't, like you said, didn't find her until the next day when everything had already happened. And so, yeah, I think that that second one, just kind of seeing her struggle and seeing what she went through might have allowed him a little bit more leniency when it comes to keeping the baby. But yeah, I did like that it was, that it was completely different, but still we came to the same result, you know, that we were feeling for this character and wanting, wanting her to have a child, (laughs) you know? And what I liked, what they adapted from the book, is that the second miscarriage came at this around the same time where they found the baby. It like those days overlapped each other, and then the fact yeah. that he had to bury the second child, but then found a brand uh, a newborn baby. Um, and the fact, I think the the shot where we saw him like remove the cross oh. after deciding to keep the baby yeah but um i think that was also just heart-wrenching oh, in gosh. itself because we know it's just a visual lie yeah actually being shown to us on screen yeah but uh, yeah let's talk about just the the moralities mm-hmm. of the situation there are some people who would be for the isabel's perspective mm-hmm. saying that after all these miscarriages, she's emotionally just distraught. So she's probably not really thinking straight either. But the I can understand not wanting to suffer again and having all these struggles and God answering their prayers more so that mm-hmm. they just wanted a child and that's somehow, that's how they had it. Yeah. But what did you think of Isabel's standpoint on this? Um, you know, I saw where she was coming from. As you know, as you know, now when we look at it, it's from the other end, it's kind of like, well, of course, why would you keep a baby? It's not yours, you know? But mm-hmm. but being in that situation when she says, 
if we give this baby up and they, you know, give it up for adoption, they're never going to give it to us. You know, it could end up, the baby could end up in um, a home that doesn't love it or, you know, in, in a foster care or something. So I understand that point of view. You know, I, I understand how she was thinking about it in the best interest of the child. Um, obviously, it, it shows that her decision did not end well for her, you know, or, no. you know, pretty much anybody involved. Um, but I understood why she did what she did. I, I don't necessarily think it was right, but I understood the the kind of thoughts behind it. So, yeah. How about uh, Tom's point of view on this being the the regimented militaristic type of lifestyle and mm-hmm. but loving his wife so much that he's willing to do this for her, anything to make her happy yeah. and have a, a family. But you can definitely saw he struggled with it at the beginning. Yeah. But over time in the film, you saw he was embracing the fatherhood and yeah. being in the fatherly role that he may not have had had he gone against the decision exactly yeah i i think that you know it kind of it plays a lot into you know what are you willing to do for the people you love you know where this the decision he made essentially like ate at him you know to the point where he felt like he had to tell what was going on so it's like yeah he did this for isabel you know he he would do anything for her she's like we've discussed this kind of like the life for him you know it's his light his what what made him come alive but at the same time it's like to what expense to him though, because obviously it was eating at him, you know, the whole time. And he learned to love it for a little bit until, until he met Hannah. Um, but I could see why, why he did it. I, I liked the film. They kind of showed his struggle with accepting the decision. You know, mm-hmm. a couple times he said, Nope, we're going to tell. Okay, fine. As soon as the sun comes up, I'm going to send out the book. You know, I like that. He kind of kept going back to who he was, but essentially love overcame any any you know clear decisions Rational. that he had yeah exactly <laughs> so i i i i understood where he was coming from as well you know just especially seeing isabel go through all that pain that he wants to do anything he can to to make sure that she's happy and she feels loved so yeah i was i was thoroughly surprised of how long they were able to keep lucy mm-hmm. um because in the book uh, the, every once in a while, we got a chapter just like updating us of what year it was, like how how many years have passed or how long they've had the child now. And in the movie, they didn't really have a reminder for the audience, so we're just yeah. literally watching them day by day, right, live out their life. And after a while, visually, you can just tell the child has grown up and whatnot. It's like it's been a while. How long have they lived with this? Yeah. Why? Right, exactly. And I think that helps, you know, just the fact that they're on an isolated island. You know, I don't think, obviously, the fact that if they were living back, you know, with family, they would have known probably that she had this miscarriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I think just the fact that they were so isolated gave them, you know, more time than if they were with family or around a lot of other people to where, you know, they could essentially get away with this for four years or five years or however long it had been yeah. um, since they but found it was out. Five, um, five after years. they found out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the w- what I found interesting is in the book, one of the differences <laughs> is actually during the first year when we saw, you know, they, they had the first birthday and mm-hmm. whatnot, and it was around the same time where they had the christening, the baptism for um, the baby. And in the movie, we saw after the baptism that tom found out mm-hmm. that hannah 
um, lost a child and the the father of this child. And actually, in the book, it was Isabel who found out first. Really? Yeah. It was oh wow! Isabel who found out first and then told Tom, but then this was all before the actual christening. Oh. In the movie, it's after the christening, and then it was kind of like it's a little too late. Yeah, um, because in the christening they name you know Lucy and Wanda as their own, and then right. in the book they find out before the christening, but still go through the process of the christening and then still calling the child their own, which kind of conflicts with me. And I'm like, I'm now torn with these characters. Yeah. I'm like, now knowing that they knew that the mother's still alive, that that they're still knowing that the child's not theirs, but still going through this process of still calling the child theirs. Yeah. Like, is that still right? No. No. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting how that the two different things, you know, one family, you have Isabel and Tom that were there to celebrate Lucy. And then mm-hmm. you have Hannah who was there to grieve Lucy were essentially brought together, you know, at the church. So it was, it was, I thought it was kind of interesting how we saw that, Two people were there for the same person, for Lucy, but for completely different reasons, you yeah. know? So that that was kind of interesting to see. And and I liked in the movie how um, Tom was the one that, that kind of found out first about Hannah just because it kind of adds to the struggle that he's been going through since the very beginning. So, yeah. And it makes more sense that he was the one who sent the letter, the comforting letter yeah. to Hannah and sent the pacifier back to Hannah throughout the movie because he's still struggling with this guilt. Yeah. Um, but I, I was just very torn knowing mm-hmm. that they found out before the christening, but they still went through it. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Not cool. <laughs> I was like, nope, nope. No. Morality, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so well, definitely one of the more interesting things. But uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about Michael Fassbender. Tom Sherborne of this character. What did you think of his performance? People are already pegging him to be Oscar nominated for, you know, best supporting actor, probably leading actor in this film. But what did you think of Fassbender's performance? I really liked his character. Um, At the beginning, it was something that was a little, you know, a little bit of a struggle just because he didn't want to say any words, you know, was so kept to himself. And it's kind of like, okay, give me something. You know, I wanted to pull a little bit more out of him, but I felt like that added to his character down the line. I can see why that choice was taken to have him not be so spoken because we see the complete change with him once Isabel comes into his life. So I like that. So we could really see how much she changed him, which of mm-hmm. course affected his decisions down the line. Um, but I thought he did a great job. You know, of course, anything he's in is is amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. Um, I like the length of, of um, kind of emotion that we saw from his character from the start when he wasn't very talkative to the middle where he was so just enamored with Isabel and then to the end where he was so, you know, kind of conflicted with grief in this decision that he made. Um, so I thought he did a great job. I, I really I really enjoyed him in this film. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. Um, I At the f- the opening scene when we saw him, you know, volunteer, I, I immediately thought, I don't know if I can connect to this character because mm-hmm. he's not really much of a talker and he's very stoic that I don't know as an audience member if I can, like, really feel for him. But then the moment Isabel came in and kind of opened him up and, like, yeah. allowed him to be happy because we saw him struggling, emotionally struggling from World War One, And back then, PS, PTSD wasn't even really named yet. Right. So, But we know it now. 
Um, but I like the fact that later on throughout this film, I gradually like started loving this character and was rooting for him. Yeah. And knowing the fact that he really wasn't the the starting choice of or well the, he it wasn't really his idea to mm-hmm. keep this child but you're still and he's going through this lie and but you know you, i still felt for him at the end because he's the he was the one willing to suffer yeah and not take the fall when it wasn't even his idea yeah i think he was the character that i rooted for kind of the most throughout the film you know because he did have that kind of he was the one that didn't want to go along with it and at the end he was the one that was willing to take the fall and it's like it wasn't even your idea but yeah. you're but you're willing to kind of take this for her so yeah, I, I loved his character. Yeah, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Alicia Vikander, she's amazing. Love her. And the fact Love that her. she's not that much older than I am. I'm like, darn. <laughs> she's like, younger than me, and I'm like, come on. like. <laughs> right, and like, I'm probably currently, not to put a timestamp on this show, but I'm like currently the age she was when she filmed this. <laughs> I'm like, darn it. And she's pulling this off. I know. Wow, what a woman. I know. She's, she's awesome. She's something else. She's just amazing. I think she does so well in all of the films that we've mm-hmm. seen her in. She just does so well um, of really emotionally mm-hmm. getting deep and we feel for her yeah. and we're always connecting with her and like anything she does just like you, like you kind of root for her too because she's just so amazing. Yeah. And she can take you to an emotional place that a lot of people can't. Right, exactly. And I think there's this magazine that I picked up. She's on the cover of Vanity Fair. And one thing that comes to play a lot in this and in the interview they did is even her auditions for various films were just everybody was so shocked at how willing she was to go anywhere with her character (laughs) yeah just to have so much emotion like the um director for um the danish girl said when she did her audition he was sobbing just at her audition you know so Mm -hmm. it's like just somebody that's able to bring that kind of emotion out of you when you don't see the you know the costumes and the landscape and you don't have the music to kind of get you pulled in if you're able to sob at somebody's audition you know they have some serious talent so yeah everything she does i love that's one of the big pulls of me seeing this film i was like alicia's in it i'm gonna see it i don't even care what it is (laughs) well that was like one of the main things uh why i decided i was like we have to do this for anatomy because alicia vikander and michael fassbender in it yeah Um, exactly i mean i could show you my email that drafted that up um but yes i think she's uh fantastic everything Mm -hmm. that she's in and the the fun thing you know doing the research for this was the director c in france um didn't really want to show her the lighthouse Uh and she he wanted like that raw visceral reaction of what it would be like to live on this on this life house and he blindfolded her yeah and took her kidnapped yeah kidnapped slash blindfolded <laughs> which i would not enjoy no. oh god no <laughs> i don't think most people would no. and took her to the island uh-huh. and let her explore the place for like two hours just like learning the landscape yeah and i and i heard that they actually filmed her reaction which ended up in the movie you know when they mm-hmm. said she said she was blindfolded taken to kind of like the shed which like okay sketchy all around and they yeah that's the first thing you see yeah, on the island no and they put her in you know her they got her hair and makeup and clothes already and then you know released her out you know to explore the lighthouse and they said they actually filmed her kind of reaction to that and put it in the movie so i i read all that after i saw the movie and i'm trying to think back to it must have been 
the first moment when she got on the island and is kind of seeing the lighthouse. She's walking around. Yeah, that must that must have been when that happened. Um, but yeah, I thought that was so interesting. I mean, definitely a different take on things. I don't know how willing I would be to let somebody blindfold me kidnap me put me in a shed like I don't know if I would have been on that but Alicia true professional you know handled and obviously it paid off well for her but yeah I just love her yeah and uh you know we talked a little bit about her auditions for the other Mm -hmm. films but for this film she actually had a four-hour audition with the director Derek oh my gosh I can't even imagine that how how long and what must have gone down in that but yeah Yeah. apparently it started off as like just a meeting get together Mm -hmm. about the character and and then it just went into her auditioning and uh Derek actually said that she messed up the audition a lot cuz she was just as you said just going for it mm-hmm. and just like trying to get every aspect of this character and he and Derek is the he's known for saying he's like he embraces people's human mistakes yeah. but he appreciated the fact that like she was really into it and that just sparked a an emotional connection that's like yes this is someone who's willing to get to that emotional place to go there that other people wouldn't the fact that she kept trying over and over again yeah despite her not actually doing it well yeah but um he allowed her to yeah have this part that's awesome and i and i also saw a quote um in this magazine article from michael fassbender who said um you know there were times when he would just say to her just give me something. Just do something different. I don't even care what it is. Just next scene, do something different than he did before. And she was willing to go there, which I think is obviously fantastic and and obviously has paid off for her. The fact that she's won, a, you know, an Oscar um, for her role in The Danish Girl. So mm-hmm. it's it's clear that she's doing something right, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this film, this film was shot a long time ago, but mm-hmm. I believe that was actually before The Danish Girl. And, uh, but Derek Saint-France also said when he was casting for the role of Isabel, he said, quote, Need, he needed someone who was a Gina Rollins or Jenna Rollins from Woman Under the Influence, Vivian Lee from Gone with the Wind, and Emily Watson from Breaking the Waves. And his casting director suggested Alicia Vikander. Hmm. for this and then of course they met and that's how she yeah. came about yeah well that's that's some good company to be in you know and yeah. uh, i i i'm so excited for her and where her career is gonna go i just think she's she's gonna you know take off and do even bigger and better things so. yeah i mean she's already taken off i know and like i will see every movie yes Alicia me too Anderson. i don't even care what it's about like, it could be see it. a crap premise <laughs> but i'll definitely see it yeah it could um, just be her auditions and i would go see that i would, I would watch them <laughs> absolutely um let's talk about rachel vice who's another great actress, i know also academy award winning uh her character of hannah um i thought it what i liked about this film because i wasn't sure as an audience member i wasn't sure if i liked or disliked Hannah, because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of times you always the audience is usually um, conditioned to dislike the person that were the antagonist. Yeah, and she really wasn't the antagonist. She wasn't. Yeah, I one hundred percent 
liked her character. I 100% felt for her character. Um, you know, I and I understand how people some people were saying that they felt like they just the movie just kind of portrayed one side of her, just kind of this person that wanted to take away this child. But I kept going back to the fact that this is really her child, you know, like mm-hmm. she did not do anything wrong here. So, yeah. it's um, not like she gave up the child exactly and now wants it back. And that would be a different that would be That's a different a story different for story. me, yeah. But, um, just the fact that she's been struggling for so long and obviously mourning this child still, you know, when we see her in the graveyard a couple of years after it happened. Um, I 100% felt for her character. I, I wanted her character to have the child back as much as I knew that would upset, um, Isabel and Tom. I, I kind of tend to root for like the right, the right mm-hmm. thing and the right path. And it was her child. And I thought she did a great job acting it. You know, we, we definitely saw the emotions that she was struggling with the fact that she wanted this child to love her and the child didn't, you know, and how, how so gut, gut wrenching that must've been for her, you know? So yeah. And watching those scenes were just so heart wrenching because, you know, even that store scene where mm-hmm. Lucy is now called Grace back yeah. into Hannah's life, but Isabel's there, and Lucy only knows Isabel as mother. Mm-hmm. And you can just see she wants to love her child so much and have the child love her back and be like, no, that's not your mother. I'm your mother. Yeah. And like that physical tearing apart of going separate ways and taking Lucy away from Isabel, that, that, was, that, that was hard to watch. Yeah, it definitely just from, was. Like, any human could feel something like that. Yeah. And I and I felt like for uh, Hannah's character, you know, it's like she lost her child once and then got her child back, but she really didn't get her child back. She Not got it. Isabel and Tom's child back, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that, that definitely added to the emotion that you feel for this character that it's like, okay, she finally got to right the wrongs that had been done to her, but that still wasn't even a good scenario for her to the point where she was willing to give Lucy back because she she felt that you know that would be in the best interest for the child so for somebody to lose their child get their child back and then, and then to feel like you have to you know because yeah because it doesn't feel like her child yeah um I, I thought there were a lot of moments where i was just like i felt for hannah too because with the flashback of her and her mm-hmm. husband in the book the husband's not german is mm-hmm. he's actually austrian austrian but during you know world war yeah. one and the year Euro- european like the misunderstanding of who people come from and who they really are yeah. uh, in the book there's actually a scene where there's a bunch of men of the local men of the town judging her husband mm-hmm. for being quote-unquote german when he really wasn't he was austrian and they're like it's the same thing i was like no it's not yeah but they they Geography were lesson. yeah they were actually in a pub and they were drunk and things mm-hmm. just like escalated to the point where the husband took the baby and they were running away from the drunks yeah. of the town they were running away to the point where he got in a boat and just like pretty much rode out to safety yeah little did he know um, that really wasn't safe but yeah. during that moment of people getting to the point of escalation that they're gonna attack you yeah um, now I understood more of hannah's background and why she like how she lost her her daughter and just like what also happened in the other struggles that she had in her Mm -hmm. life not miscarriages but losing a a husband yeah yeah i wish they would have gone in the movie i i know we are already strapped for time in the film but i i would have liked to see a little bit more of the night when her husband you know got into the boat i think that would have kind of helped 
connect the dots a little bit better and kind of bring the viewer into sympathizing a little bit more with Hannah's character. Um, but and, and I would have liked to see, I mean, not to sound morbid, but how her husband died, you uh, know, because right. we as an audience in the movie never figured that out. Um, I think I read in the book it was, or in the reviews of the book, a heart attack or no? Oh, or did they even go no, into that? Okay. That, uh, he was in the boat and he drifted out too far and there was a storm. Oh, and he just died. And he just, yeah, and he wasn't the, the greatest rower. Oh, okay. the greatest. I think one of the lines in the book, he says, like, he wasn't the greatest sailman. Oh. So, a sailor. Yeah. Or so, and uh, he, he died that way. Yeah. That's I why wish, he was still in the boat. Right. I wish they would have showed a little bit more of that, um, just to kind of get a little bit more background. But I thought it was just interesting, the two husbands, if you look at Hannah's husband and then Tom, um, that they were both kind of outsiders, you know, mm-hmm. in the town and for different reasons, um, but kind of, you know, not totally accepted by a lot of people and kind of you know i thought that was interesting how they kind of played on that parallel of the two two men so yeah it was also interesting also in the book that their the hannah didn't have the greatest relationship with her father yeah because her her father didn't approve of her husband being right. austrian and whatnot and she and hannah said like well you know i'm at an age where i can marry without consent you know mm-hmm. like without a parental consent so i'm still going to do this he's like well you can marry him but without my approval and without my money right but then it was later on when she had the baby when she had grace at the time um during the graces uh, there was some situation with grace uh, that called for a family gathering mm-hmm. and the father like hannah's father was there and immediately like loved the grandchild and like reconnected the relationship between the father and his daughter hannah yeah and so yes hannah does come from money yeah that his her father was wealthy and whatnot but knowing that knowing that little fact knowing mm-hmm. that hannah didn't have a connection with her father her husband and this baby is the only family she had. Right. So now when you lose all that, she she lost everything too. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I really do feel for Hannah. I know. It's I, like I can't hate her. Yeah, you can't. You can't root against her. You can't I mean, I don't I don't see how, how you could. I mean, of course, that doesn't take away just because we're rooting for Hannah, it doesn't take away how we feel for Isabel, you know, and what she's going through and, and the the fact that they that Isabel and Tom kept this child out of a good good intentions you mm-hmm. know there there were good intentions there you know but still it's like i kind of kept going back to okay but this is hannah's kid and she should she should have the child and she's already been through enough you right. know so and i think the lives would be completely different as well mm-hmm. that yes had lucy been grace and like lived with hannah and actually didn't go through all of that like what kind of life would she had yeah. coming from a family of wealth now right it's like, I mean, materials aren't always the best thing, but, like, she might have had a better, different life. Yeah, and and going even one step further than that, too, it, I, I'm sure that Isabel and Tom would have had a better life, you know, because mm-hmm. they spent, you know, they, they had to give Lucy Grace back when, what, she was five, and then I'm sure they spent the rest of their lives feeling a void, you know, feeling like this child, you know, they lost a child, essentially. Yeah, and they never had another one after that. Yeah. So I think everybody's life would have been a little bit different, maybe for the better. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, let's talk a little bit about the the directing. Derek C. Uh and Friends. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I've seen the Blue Valentine. I've seen most of the place behind the pines. I'm going to be honest about that. But I have seen uh, my my Blue Valentine. Mm-hmm. And I thought that movie did fantastic and definitely set the tone of real raw yeah. connections of just a relationship breaking apart. And you kind of felt the same way in this film. You saw love between these two, Tom and Isabel, but you saw it disintegrate right in front of our eyes yeah i had watched the uh blue valentine years ago when when it came out i don't remember how long it was but a while ago and i i so i had to kind of re re reread it read the recap of what happened in the summary Mm -hmm. of what happened and um yeah you know just the fact that obviously um you know ryan gosling and michelle williams right are just fantastic as well so yeah um but yeah just just the fact that that movie there weren't a whole lot of like happy great moments in that movie either you know it was pretty much just like the destruction of these two characters and the destruction of their love and trying to figure out how they are going to make this family work when they both were kind of like on different ends of what they wanted and yeah the same kind of thing with this film you know Isabel and Tom were trying to figure out how to make this family work when they were both on opposite ends you know Tom Tom wanted to you know give this baby back or you know or Mm -hmm. figure out what was going on and Isabel was completely against that from the very beginning so um I I see Derek that that he would have been involved in these in these two movies because although they were completely different there were a lot of similarities as well yeah I think Derek does such a great job of in his films of showing broken families yeah and what the actual realistic struggles are and what people go through Mm -hmm. that aren't you know, or well, they're like are afraid of actually showing on screen because a lot of a lot of people don't go there. A lot yeah. of people don't want to watch that because people find movies as an escape to get away right. from reality. But I think he does that so well. Yeah, showing is like no, this is real life. Yeah, exactly. There's not always this happy ending that's tied up nicely with a bow. You know, like sometimes <laughs> right? it doesn't work out that way. And and so yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I I like that he kind of shows that in the most realistic way possible. Mm-hmm. And Derek also mentioned that he wanted to have a movie that studied, you know, raw human nature in the backdrop of Mother Nature. Hmm. And that's what this film 100% is. 100% the film. <laughs> Being the, the lighthouse is really just a backdrop of the actual situation of what's going on. Yeah. They're just on this island. Yeah, totally. I, I think the lighthouse, I don't know if we're going to get into symbolism later, but it's, I think, represents so much symbolism. You can go you into know. it now. I just think that, you know, with lighthouse, a lot of times it has a symbol of, like, strength because the lighthouse can weather any storm. And I mm-hmm. feel like that kind of went along with Isabel's character and Tom's character, how they – are built from so much strength the fact that they had two miscarriages you know the fact that tom's been through war like so i felt like the lighthouse kind of symbolized that for them but at the same time a lighthouse can also kind of be shown as symbolism for isolation and desolation you know it's a lighthouse is there by itself just like tom was completely by himself you Mm -hmm. know until isabel came along um lighthouses can also be shown for uh, the fact that they lead ships sometimes into destruction you know if if ships happen to crash trying to come come in so the fact that their family kind of just dissolved um i think kind of symbolized that so i feel like it had lots of different meanings throughout the film you know it could have been shown as a beacon of hope which they had when when lucy washed ashore so i i thought that just from the start to finish the fact that there was a lighthouse in there kind of symbolized their whole journey 
Mm-hmm. So makes sense. That's yeah, beautifully done. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really I really like that, and just kind of thinking about it more and seeing the lighthouse. Um, you know, just also the fact that it was kind of like this light in the dark, which Isabel was to Tom. Yeah, and just like every time I think of a lighthouse, I always think of beacon of hope and always looking out for someone else and guide them to safety. Yeah. And, and, you know, because that's what they're there for. They're always a visual guide to mm-hmm. people. And um, what I liked about also, they kind of, and in the beginning of the book, they actually kind of go into the lighthouse, the, just the technicalities, the yeah. technical structures of it. And the fact that Tom knew the lighthouse in and out. Like, he mm-hmm. took the time to study yeah. um, the different angles in which the light refracted to, um, you know, have the light expel out to a certain distance. Like, no one really thinks about that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think of just turning on a light, and there it is. But he thinks about the angles that he had to move the lenses so light can only reflect at this angle mm-hmm. and, and this and that. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. You would never think that either. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they go a little bit into the lighthouse, but it's it's a character, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even the fact that the lighthouse was essentially the thing that brought Hannah to the decision that Lucy should go back with Isabel, you know, because Lucy had left trying to find the lighthouse. That's, you know, that's why she, you know, left the house. And and that led Hannah to say, okay, this is not right for my child. You know, she says the prayer while she is missing Lucy. And she says, if you give me one more chance, I promise I will do what's right for Lucy, which was, in her mind, giving her back to Isabel. So, yeah, I just thought from start to finish that lighthouse was just kind of like, you know, that right. symbol for so many different things. But do you like or what are your thoughts on the idea? Yes, Hannah got to the point where she mentally was OK of giving the child back. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts of how the movie ended with her still keeping the child? Um, You know, I as far as how the movie ended, I was kind of a little bit bummed that Lucy did not make it to see Isabel that she died before Mm -hmm. that happened, Um, you know, because you just know that Isabel's character was just distraught for her whole life. You know, I would have liked them to at least show us Lucy coming back to see Isabel maybe in her last moments. You know, I think that would have been a nice way to tie it up. But um, uh, But sometimes that happens in real life. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, And I think as far as Hannah, you know, deciding to keep Lucy... I I think that just kind of spoke more towards her character, the fact that she was willing to give her up and then saw, okay, well, Isabel was the one that was involved in this too, so I'm going to keep her. You know, I think it just showed um, the true love of a mother, you know, willing to make that ultimate sacrifice for her child, but at the same time then realizing, okay, this isn't. It, it, it isn't the right call to give her back to Isabel, knowing that she did this purposefully, you know? And I didn't think that Isabel was going to um, <laughs> confess. <laughs> I thought she was right. going to be like, cool, see ya, Tom. Like, like we give went. me the baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, about that, actually, um, when we, because the audience only see in the film mm-hmm. that, yes, we learn that Isabel confesses at the end, but we don't really see Hannah's reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Or we we only just know that she still gets to keep the child. Yeah. But in the book, there's actually a moment where Hannah finds finds out about that Isabel was involved and the fact that Isabel lied straight to her face. She's actually angry. Wow. And she's yelling at the the sergeant um, who was in charge of, you know, 
involved with the case of finding the child and whatnot and uh that's when she makes the decision to keep the child yeah during her moment of anger and realizing the truth of like i cannot give this child back to these two people who willingly lied to me yeah i liked in the film how they kind of brought back the theme of like um resentment versus um resentment versus like regret you know if you're Mm -hmm. gonna hang on to that or not and and the theme of forgiveness and i liked how after she found after hannah found out that isabel had lied to her and was in fact you know in in cahoots with tom um or kind of the mastermind behind it i like that she said you know we'll we'll offer them clemency you know in order to you know kind of move on from this because you know she went back to what her husband said how you know, for, if you forgive, you only have to do it one time where resentment, you hold on to it your whole life. So I thought that was kind of very telling in her character and Lucy's character, the fact that she was willing to forgive Tom and Isabel for what they didn't actually thank them for saving her. And then in Isabel and Tom's character, how Isabel said kind of on her deathbed, do you think God will forgive me? You know, and Tom's like, you should have done that yourself already, you yeah. know? So I like that they kind of kept that coming throughout the film and that scene is also in the book too um we see isabel is on her deathbed she's actually suffering from cancer okay so yeah um, they didn't we, mention that in the movie which i was kind of like, like wait what <laughs> yeah my thing was like, is it old age is it health yeah. or whatnot and actually in the book um isabel loses her battle with cancer mm-hmm. and um by that time it's 1950 so uh yeah and she does ask like do you think god will forgive me and it's like yeah he did a long time ago yeah and now you should too right yeah i like that i like that they kind of you know ended the movie that way just on like forgiveness and the fact that lucy even said that to to tom you know like that she wanted to thank him and you know she's all good now so i liked how they kind of tied that up um but yeah, I would have liked it more if, and you mentioned it before, but, like, I would have liked it more if Lucy did see yeah. Isabel. Therefore, she, that would give her a reason to forgive herself. Yeah, Knowing that's that true. Lucy became, you know, Grace. Okay. Lucy Grace was, you know, became a beautiful woman, and she yeah. was okay with, um, and she she is a great person. And, like, she, she grew up in a, you know, she had a great life. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would have helped Isabel round her character out a little bit more and have yeah. a, a more full arc at the end yeah not ending her character just on regret right and i and i kind of wish they would have shown in the movie a little bit more like you said um mentioning what she died from because we did not find that out in the film or or kind of not showing her death but kind of i i felt like it jumped a little quickly where when mm-hmm. we see tom i'm like wait is isabel is isabel still alive did she die oh she died what did she die from i don't know you know i feel right. like there were kind How of many some years answers. have passed yeah i feel like there were some some questions that weren't answered that as a viewer it would have helped me out a little bit more obviously because mm-hmm. this, this movie is very kind of heart-wrenching um up until the very end so i feel like as an audience member i would have appreciated you know just kind of having it a little bit more tied up but right. yeah what did you think of the epilogue though because i felt like the epilogue was a good tie um, tying the loose ends for Tom's character. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think so too. Um, I liked to see that Tom's character, um, I don't want to say like made it out, you know, but kind of like had this, had this nice moment, um, where he had Lucy and, you know, you, you kind of see that he's going to be just fine. But I thought it was interesting how he started off alone and he ended off alone, alone. you know, it's kind of like, mm, I, I, and, and although Lucy is going to come back with, with her, you know, baby and stuff, I, I just, I kind of felt like still a sense of 
of just being very alone for for Tom. So I thought I the know. same thing because immediately after when we see Isabel, unfortunately, pass, I was like, oh, he is alone now. Yeah. Because we learned that they never had another child afterwards. Yeah. So. so that, yeah, that was kind of a bummer, you know, and, and just to see that, uh, you know, Isabel, not that Tom didn't love Lucy as much as Isabel loved Lucy, but just the fact that Isabel was the one that like, you know, wanted her so, so bad and Family. never, never got that ending with her, you know, where Tom kind of does. So I guess mm-hmm. that was nice for Tom's character, but still alone living by himself and... But I did like the um, when Lucy, now Grace, you know, grown yes. up, comes yeah. to go see Tom. And we, we saw that letter with Isabel. And I mm-hmm. think that was their way of wrapping up Isabel, yeah. knowing that Isabel did love Lucy. Yeah. And even though she only knew her as a child, like, she loved her her whole life, which is yeah. still really sad. I know. Um, but the fact that that relationship between Lucy and grace um this is gonna get confusing grace lucy um like that will still continue with tom because she's like can i come back and i visit yeah and and, like keep in touch yeah like okay so he does he can form this relationship with this child yeah yeah i liked i like that they had that in there that there was some sort of hope for the future it wasn't just Mm -hmm. like all right see ya we're done i always (laughs) lost yeah yeah exactly um i like that and i just visually i also liked it too because he's obviously away from the island now Mm -hmm. he's in a regular house but it was just brighter brighter vibrant colors and i believe she was in yellow yeah and just it just showed more happiness yeah, and although, hope in the future. Yeah, which I liked, although he wasn't with Isabel, you know, mm-hmm. who was his light. Maybe now Lucy can kind of, Lucy Grace can kind of be his light, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, I did I did enjoy the ending, though, um, even though the, this whole film in and of itself is pretty morose. Yes. The ending was ended on a more positive note. Right, that's true. But uh, let's talk a little bit about this, just cinematography. Okay. Um, Adam Arkapa, who's also worked on uh, True Detective, so he kind of got that gritty sense and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the the lighthouse itself, um, see in France, the director found it on an actual peninsula west. It's like an hour and a half away from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So they would have to drive like three hours, like <laughs> to and from. Um, just the location, and that's where he decided that the cast was going to live. Yeah. Just there um, at the lighthouse because they're like, no, we're not going to commute every day. Yeah. We're going to live here. Yeah. We're going to bond. And they're like, you can't have a whole cast of, or a whole crew of 70 people. He's like, right. then don't, we don't need 70 people. Just give me 12. Yeah. He's like, and we'll make do whatever we have with those. It's like, I need a cinematographer, a DP. I need, you know, X, Y, and Z, and that's it. And they're like, what are you going to do when it rains or when, you know, all these situations? They're like, we're going to film in the rain. We're yeah. going to film in whatever weather conditions, like, come about. And, like, he he really wanted it. He's like, I don't need a big crew. We're just going to do it. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And it doesn't seem like it was only shot with a small amount of people. You know, I thought, no. I thought it was so beautiful. You know, even from the very beginning when we just kind of see the landscape of it, you know, just like the rolling hills. We're not even on the lighthouse yet. Just everything was so gorgeously done, I think. And like I mentioned earlier, even when it's storming, like it looked beautiful to me. You yeah, know, like, like that's serene. Yeah. So I, I thought it was fantastic and would never guess that it was shot with a limited amount of people. No, you wouldn't. You definitely would not think that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, lo- I did love the how the scope 
of it. Because mm-hmm. as small as an island as that was, it looked vast. Yeah. And it went on for miles. Right. And really, it didn't. But I love just how they filmed it. There was overhead shots and just the different angles of this mm-hmm. one small location that made it seem so big. Yeah. And even their transition shots from, like, scene to scene or, like, transition from year to year, that mm-hmm. there was a lot of those um, just... B-roll camera shots of just the items that are around the island. Yeah. And I like that they showed so many different parts of it. It wasn't just like a coastline. It wasn't just oceans. They showed like the hills. They showed like the grass scene like a couple, you know, multiple times throughout the film, even back at, um, you know, on the mainland um, when Hannah's character's laying in the grass or whatever. You know, I just like how they showed lots of different aspects of it, not just focusing on, you know, like the rocky part of the lighthouse or the ocean. There was just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Um, I thought the music was very well done. Alexander Desplat, I mean, we've talked about him a lot on our movies. He's known for Grand Budapest Hotel, Moon Knight's mm-hmm. Kingdom, you name it. Um, he's done it. Um, but I really noticed the music during the transitional shots Mm -hmm. and all the times, or definitely in the scene where we saw Elizabeth struggle to get up to the lighthouse during her first miscarriage, because there was really no dialogue. It was just audio and music, which made it just, it it amplified it in, in a certain way. Yeah, and I like how they kind of use the music obviously, you know, when things were going to happen, like we knew right before, like a storm was coming, you know, because the music mm-hmm. would shift it would shift. And I also liked the use of the piano, um, you know, how they kind of gave her a sense of hope once the piano was fixed. And it's kind of like, okay, great. Now we have a new baby. Things are awesome. Yeah. And then that, of course, didn't happen. So yeah, I, I loved the music in the film. I think that's a huge part of what makes a movie, um, you know, is the music that allows you to kind of be emotionally attached more. Um, so I thought, I thought, you know, that was great throughout, although there weren't a lot of happy parts, but no, I loved how you brought up the piano. Cause I remember watching the film and I thought it was so brilliantly well done mm-hmm. where it goes from the broken piano and we mm-hmm. see the guy fixing it. And then it slowly goes into her playing it, the, the, just the regular keys. And then it actually naturally transitions into a score. Yeah. Like all within a 30 second shot. Like, wow, that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So I noticed that. it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. So uh, I think that was another moment. I was like, yeah, the music was just so well done from going mm-hmm. from just a regular shooting, watching a character play with the piano to yeah. the score. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. I love that they kind of put that in there, gave us a little bit extra, you know, and just the fact that it kind of, what it represented for Isabel's character. um, I really like that use of it, so. Yeah. Um, Let's get a little bit into the box office. The, I mean, this was a a fairly limited kind of film. When this movie was released, I believe in like the first two or three days, it was a limited release, and then they expanded it out a bit. Um, but domestically, as of you know September ninth, it is now. It's made around seven to eight million. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, out of like I believe a twenty twenty million budget. So it has a, a ways to go. Yeah, but I'm. I really we don't like to always focus on the numbers, but mm-hmm. I don't want that to deter people away from how great this film yeah, is. Yeah, I completely agree. And and I was a little shocked when, when I saw those numbers um, because I just thought, you know, it's, for me as being, and you two being such a fan of, of the <laughs> cast, you know, yeah. I didn't, when I just saw the pilot, I didn't even 
completely take into consideration what was happening. I just thought, I'm going to see this film. I mean, you have Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander and Rachel Weisz. You know, like... You can't go wrong. Yeah, every it's going to be great. So I was a little shocked. Um, I, I The only thing I can kind of think is maybe just like the subject matter is is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And so maybe for a lot of people, you know, some of the films that are out right now are a little bit more like happy or kind of quirky or, you know, kind of maybe... Action on the exactly. tail end of the summer movies. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe that kind of had something to play into it. Um, but I think it's a great film. And, you know, I, I was I was really shocked at those at those numbers, definitely. So... Yeah, I mean, it was, it was limited, but I'm not... It, it, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them got a nomination oh yeah i think definitely i would love it i know i would too and especially also um you know looking at cinematography and music and i think that there's so much to this film um that i would expect to see some sort of nominations for i don't want to jinx anybody but (laughs) and it's got fairly good ratings and imdb gave it a 7.4 and Mm -hmm. rotten tomatoes is around like 61 percent which that's actually i mean that's pretty good for rotten tomatoes it's not great but it's pretty good um, for rotten tomatoes but i mean what would you give it i'd say it'd be around that time yeah around that i think that's good i mean um i i i I think a B plus is is a really good score for it. You know, I I want it. If I saw an A minus on there, I want it. You know, I would probably say, yeah, that that sounds about right. You yeah. know, um, but I think I think that's a good rating for it. I probably just my own personal love for the actors. I probably would have bumped up that Rotten Tomatoes score a little bit. Me too. Um, but but yeah, I I, I was happy to kind of see that that it wasn't just completely like slaughtered yes me <laughs> so. too and i'm i'm i mostly hear positive reviews on yeah. this and i think what might deter people is that knowing that it comes from it's adapted from a book but mm-hmm. a lot of people are hesitant to go see movies because they haven't read the original story they don't yeah. know what it's about or the the heavy content that is in this but i definitely would suggest go see this film mm-hmm. absolutely so what are it. your last final thoughts about this um my final thoughts about it you know i just i i liked um just all the kind of themes throughout the symbolism throughout um i don't know that we would see any sort of like you know sequel to this you know i i think, I think it's so. kind of like done um you know so i i i wouldn't expect that to happen but i i really like this film i like that it tackled a, a difficult subject and i think did so in the most gracefully way possible um the actors just just brilliant of course i wouldn't expect anything less so absolutely um i would highly suggest this to people i have suggested this to people um if you want to f- find a just a story of a real story of people who struggle but weather the storm together mm-hmm. you know through thick and thin and you know sickness and health and whatnot but like this is definitely one of those yeah and it's just a visually beautiful mm-hmm. um film amazing acting from the performances well directed clear-cut story that you understood i mean this movie had basically everything going for yeah. it so I, yes, I highly suggest this film and I probably would yes. buy it. Yes, go it see it, up. everybody. So thank you everyone <laughs> for listening. Uh, the Light Between Oceans, that's all for us. Uh, if you want to keep following us, we're on the Popcorn Talk everywhere at the Popcorn Talk. Where can everyone keep following you? Um, Twitter and Instagram at OMG, it's M-L-E. And you can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. Download and rate all of our podcast we do anatomy of a movie every single week we have a lot of great films coming all the i felt 
like this film was probably one of the first Oscar contender movies. Yeah. We have all the Oscar movies coming about that we'll definitely be dissecting this year. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Don't forget to download our rundown if you feel like you want to know more about this with all of our research. And we'll see you next time. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.